Hello, my name is Pete McCall, and welcome to episode 45 of All About Fitness. One of the things that I read when I was first getting into the podcasting game was it's always a good idea to have one or two interviews kind of in your in your pocket, so to speak, so that on those times when you, you might not have any guests or you might need content to throw up, you have something you can turn to. Well, that's what today is. Today is a special interview with a friend of mine, a fellow by the name of Clifton Harsky. I actually did this interview a while back, and, and Clifton and I spoke after we got together for a little kettlebell workout right on the shores of Solano Beach, California. Now, if you've never been to Solano Beach, uh, picture anything about a typical Southern California beach town, and that's Solano Beach. It's, it's kind of small. It's a small, tight-knit community right on the coast, and uh, we had a chance to do a little bit of kettlebell work and just some body weight training overlooking the ocean. So it was an awesome day. Um, it was actually my first time really hanging out with Clifton one-on-one. We'd met a few times at conferences. We have a few mutual friends, and I've admired his work. As you'll hear in our interview, I've admired his work from afar, and I've come in and worked out at his facility before. And so I really wanted to kind of get a chance to hang out with him a little bit and find out a little bit more about him. Because one of the things Clifton and I talk about today is we talk about the pursuit of awesomeness. You know, how can we be more awesome? And I know that sounds a little, maybe a little silly, but if you think about it, aren't we all trying to get a little bit more awesome? This just means you're trying to get a little bit better. I mean, nobody wants to go through life being mundane. I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm sure you probably don't either. So it's fun to be able to sit down and, and talk with somebody about that. How do you pursue awesomeness? It doesn't matter what you want to do. You know, Clifton uses the example of being, you know, being a basketball player. I use my example. I want to be awesome at being a dad. You know, I have two little kids and two little girls that I absolutely adore and love. And my job, my goal is to be an awesome dad. Everything else is kind of, you know, falling in behind that. So we talk about that today. And we also talk about what are some common pitfalls that consumers fall into when it comes to fitness. Because, you know, one of the big trends the last few years is high intensity interval training. And there's been a lot of good research. And actually, there's some recent research showing that, that high intensity interval training can be really good for slowing down the aging process. High-intensity interval training can boost levels of growth hormone. It can boost levels of testosterone. It could also improve mitochondrial density. And mitochondria, those little components of muscle cells, which use oxygen and help create energy, mitochondria are extremely important for maintaining cellular health during the aging process. So all this comes down to if you want to pursue awesomeness, we've got to pursue it through, I mean, one of the ways we can pursue awesomeness is through physical activity. And that's really what I want to be able to chat with Clifton about. So first, a couple things about Clifton. I may or may not know him, um, but he's a fabulous guy. He's smart as all get out. And he is just a heck of an athlete, just an all-around good guy. And one of the reasons why I'm dropping this right now is on top of all that, Clifton and his wife Amy just had their first kid. So um, in order to welcome uh, Clifton to the uh, Parenthood Club, <laughs> where we all know if you're, if you're a parent, you got lack of sleep and, and a lot of stuff. I mean, I think it's, you know, I've been on the roller coaster now for just celebrated my oldest uh, kid's uh, fifth birthday. And, and man, it, it is such an exciting roller coaster ride. The highs are extremely high and, and the lows, well, hey, they, they just uh, help, you, help you learn and grow and, and develop as a person. But in order to welcome Clifton to the uh, in, to the parenting club, I'm dropping this uh, special episode, or I'm dropping this episode now, so that I, I can share with people just like his approach to fitness, what he's doing. He's the head trainer at Fitwall. Fitwall is a series of studios with a very unique training component. I'm gonna have a YouTube clip um, down below. And for those of you that may not be able to see the show notes or access uh, the information via show notes, you can go to allaboutfitness.libsyn. That's L I B. S-Y-N.com, 
allaboutfitness.libsyn.com is a hosting page for the website or for the podcast. And all the links that I'm going to throw up there and talk about are going to be on that page. But anyway, on that page, I'm going to have a couple links to FitWall. I'm also going to have a couple just fun links that, that Clifton has done in various videos that I think are just really cool. And one of the reasons why I'm invited him to talk uh, about awesomeness, pursuit of awesomeness. So again, Clifton is a head uh, trainer and head coach for FitWall. He's also a master trainer for Animal Flow. Animal Flow is a really unique series of bodyweight style exercises developed by a guy named Mike Fitch, who will probably be a, a guest at some point in the future. But if you really, if you don't like the typical weight room workout, then Animal Flow is a really unique way to get an awesome workout using just your body weight. He's also uh, Clifton is also a master trainer for Kettlebell Athletics. So he travels around in that capacity. He travels around and educate personal trainers and group fitness instructors how to use kettlebells. So hopefully you're ready to learn a little bit about how you can make your life a little bit more awesome with Clifton Harsky, head trainer of FitWall. But first, a couple words from the sponsors of All About Fitness, then on to the interview. Vicor Fitness is the maker of the new TerraCore, which is a step, bench, balance trainer, and multifaceted exercise tool combined into one single platform. Go to vicorefitness.com to see the newest piece of equipment that will be taking the fitness industry by storm in 2017. Use the code AAF to save 20% on purchasing a TerraCore of your own. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness. Vicor Fitness. Better results from better products. Active Motion Bar is the first resistance training bar where 30% of the weight is a moving mass. An Active Motion Bar can help you strengthen your fascia and elastic connective tissue as well as your muscle, which is important for staying injury-free during the aging process. Research has found that exercising with an Active Motion Bar can be up to 170% more effective than using traditional weighted bars. Active Motion Bar. Let the resistance move you. www. Dot A-C-T-I-V motionbar.com. All right, all about fitness here today with Clifton Harsky. We're going to talk about uh, fitness, what people need to do better, and basically just how to be awesome. So, uh, Clifton, what's your, what's your background in fitness and what do you do now currently? My background is I went to school at San Diego State and got my degree in kinesiology. And I've been involved with fitness for the last decade in a couple of different areas, personal training, group fitness, traveling and instructing other trainers how to teach more effectively. And currently, what I am is in charge of all fitness for FitWall, which is a studio-based boutique group fitness experience where we use predominantly bodyweight training and a high-intensity interval training model to uh, drive really effective fitness results. And FitWall is actually a really cool concept. I, I did a workout with you a couple years ago. I need to get back in here. Now that I'm a neighbor of yours, not too far away from you. You're in Solana. I'm in Encinitas. So I'll definitely be back in here. But I'm definitely going to have a couple of links to FitWall down below. So people, if they want to look at it, see what it is, and get a little bit of understanding of what it is, they can look for it coming near them. Now, as, as programming, one question I want to ask you that, that I ask a lot of people, what do people do wrong? What do most fitness consumers do wrong? Fitness consumers are sold the idea that for best results, if they switch everything up all the time, they'll never plateau. 
But in reality, if they switch things up all the time, they never spend enough time to get good at anything. So if, if I could say that they should do one thing is pick a routine and stick to it for enough time to actually realize the results that that routine would have. The idea of muscle confusion and all this nonsense is just, it's just silly. Actually, I think that's because a lot of times I think some people get stuck in the same routine over and over, whether it's the same class or doing the same thing over and over again. But you think that people switch up their programs too frequently or switch up what they do? Too frequently. So I think there's a happy medium because I, I, I agree. If somebody has been going to the gym for two years and doing the exact same thing for two years, at, at a certain point, maybe let's call it four to eight weeks, that specific routine needs to be adjusted or tweaked so that we don't stop, uh, we, we keep maximizing our return. However, if you change it up every single day, then you don't get enough time practicing the specific exercises and skills to actually improve what your max lift could be or how many more reps you could do. You don't get as as good at those things, so you can't derive as much benefit from those things. And then, and that's one thing. How would you how would you kind of rephrase the statement or how would you kind of sum up the statement because exercise is movement, right? Yep. And so we can move better, we can exercise better. How do you incorporate that into what you do here with Fifth Wall and how you how you how you function as a coach? So one is just uh, finalizing our talk on on how to set up your let's say your month. At Fitwall we have a different full body workout every single day of the week, but we repeat that week for 4 weeks in a row. And then we come in with seven new workouts. In each of those workouts, we incorporate some very rudimentary as in basic strength training drills like a squat or a push-up. But then we also put in you know 3 to 6 somewhat coordinated uh, challenging movements that's going to have you working on your movement skills. Uh, we we try to lighten that and uh, that lighten that tone and say we're going to turn you into a ninja. And the way to become a ninja is to practice being a ninja. So a lot of people come in, they say I I can't do that because I'm not coordinated. And I'm like, well, when's the last time that you tried to do something coordinated? And the answer is never. It's just like learning a dance. I'm a goofy white guy, so if I go try to dance the first time I do it. It's, it looks like something that should be on YouTube and mocked. <laughs> but if I practice that, then I get the footwork down, I get the hips down, and now all of a sudden I look like I know what I'm doing. And exercise and dance, they're all components of movement. Your footwork in basketball, uh, how, to, how to bump, set, spike in volleyball. These are all movement skills that require practice. And exercise is not immune to that same idea. So we can layer in more complex exercises to derive more interesting benefits, not just from a conditioning and a strengthening standpoint, but from a coordination and an ability to move more like a ninja. And I think that's the one thing, uh, you know, in the industry, we know this, and one of the things I think you and I teach when we do workshops is we teach people how to move, but still outside the industry, people still have this perception that exercise is about muscles. And how would you, how do you try to shift people's focus to go from being focused on because you meet somebody and they say, well, I want to do this for my biceps or do this for my quadriceps. How do you, what, what way do you describe like, how the body moves? I mean, how do you get people to change their focus away from their muscles and towards the fact they need to move better? Yeah, a big piece of that is trying to explain to them or bring attention, bring awareness to where they're feeling limitations in life. If they're having a hard time keeping up with their kids at the playground, if they're having a hard time just getting the groceries from the grocery store into their cupboards or when they travel, they can't get their luggage into the overhead compartment on their own. 
all of those things are are pretty easy to point out to somebody like, hey, maybe if you move better, you're able to do these things. More often than that, though, it's the aches and pains that people feel from doing basic rudimentary living things like getting in and out of a car. If they, they're achy doing that, well, maybe it's because they sit all day and then they go sit on a bike and then they sit down to exercise in the exercise machines. They need to introduce more varied, more complex movement options so that when they are traversing their day-to-day life, they can do it uh, confidently. And what do you think, I mean, what, what could people be doing? If somebody's not exercising right now, what do you think would be a, a way to get somebody to be active? We were kind of talking about this earlier, that only, what, less than 20% of people go to gyms. So for the 80% of people out there who know they need to be more active, what's something they could do today to be more active? They don't need to go spend an hour in a gym, but to be a little bit healthier, what could they be doing? My personal opinion is the first thing everyone should do, and even active people, everyone should walk more. Like walking from a health standpoint is probably the most valuable thing that everybody could do. From a fitness standpoint, I personally don't really care what you do as long as you do it consistently through the week. So the most important thing to do is find something that is fun and enjoyable to you. If that's Zumba, it's Zumba. If it's yoga, it's yoga. If it's lifting weights, it's lifting weights. Um, I look at the, the value of movement on a, on a spectrum or of strength, of conditioning, there's different spectrums on each of these things. So if your ultimate goal is to get stronger, eventually you need to be lifting heavy weights. But if you're going from sedentary, you're not going to immediately go into picking up barbells with 300 pounds. So you might start with just walking, then you decide to go to yoga, and then you decide to do some lighter Pilates. As you gain strength, then you're like, oh, I'm going to pick up a kettlebell. Then you get good at that. Now you're like, you know what, let's try to pick up that barbell. So you move along that spectrum of strength uh, exercises and you build. If it was a movement complexity thing, maybe it's walking and then it's yoga, which is more static. And then it's like a boot camp type of situation where you're learning some different skills. And then maybe you start adding sports or dance where there's more body awareness and interaction with the environment. Actually, as you say that, I think, because I think one thing, a mistake that people often make is that they think when they exercise, I need to do something that's really hard and really extreme. So they go from doing nothing. They go from sitting on the couch. They go from you know, working, and all of a sudden they join a boot camp class. Why might that be a mistake? Why might that be a bad idea? What they're going to do is they're going to teach themselves that they were right, that they're not in shape enough to be able to do it. So they're going to show up, they're going to get their asses kicked, they're going to feel miserable afterwards, and all that they've taught themselves is that they can't do it. People want to go from 0 to 100 real quick, if we can quote Drake, uh, and they need to go from 0 to 20 first. Like, you got to walk before you run. And it's not a bad thing, but the hard part to the hard idea to impart on people is this idea that it's patience. You know, if I have our conversation, our coaches are trained, if someone tells me they have 40 pounds to lose, I'm going to ask them, how long did it take you to put on those 40 pounds? All right, do you think it's a fair, you know, two or three, four years? Do you think it's a fair expectation that you would lose it in three weeks? No, it's, it's just an unrealistic expectation. And unfortunately, it doesn't mean that people still don't have those expectations. Logically, they know it doesn't make sense. But emotionally, they want it off right now. And emotionally, uh, we feel like if we work harder, our results will be better. Unfortunately, it just doesn't turn out that way all the time. Well, that's two things that I think about with that. One is that, number one, you can't get to 40 pounds without losing the first three or four. Right, because yeah. then it's like then it's like a matter of like okay, you want to lose forty pounds, great. Let's work on three pounds. Let's work on three pounds the next two weeks. 
and then we'll start going after the other 37. Because I think people come in, they think, oh, I can lose all this weight right away. It's like, well, yes, you can, but don't you have to change your habits? Because this is much more exercise is only, what, one hour out of the day? Yeah. And how, much, how, much, how important is the other 23 hours? Um, 23 times as important almost, right? <laughs> like I, maybe yeah. that's just math. But they, the thought process that people come into, and I see it. This is the best way I think I can explain it. Somebody says to me, hey, I'm working out with you five days a week, and I CrossFit four days a week, and I spin three days a week. I'm like, well, first of all, how many, weeks are, how many days are in your week? So it means she's double double upping on her exercise each maybe five days a week. It's it's a lot. But then she says, if I switch your guys' workout for a different workout, maybe I'll have better results. And I'm thinking to myself, there's not really any way that you're going to get more out of working out. You're already doing more than I think you should. So what are the other things that you're doing with the other 22 hours of your day that's derailing your efforts because if you're crossfitting and fit walling and spinning stands to reason you should lose some weight so you have to almost actively be trying to derail your process your progress by sleeping poorly or making unfortunate dietary decisions or there's a medical reason that needs to be addressed by a doctor and that's the other thing that people don't realize is that you don't need to exercise at high intensity all the time we were talking about this earlier people have this expectation of and you said it yourself, that, that the harder I work, the more results I'll get. But people don't realize that, that exercise is stress on the body. And that's what I like about your programming model of where you get a different workout. Your movements are consistent, so people are doing the same patterns, but you're doing it at a different intensity every day. How important is intensity, and why should people pay attention to that? So the intensity piece, uh, I think, is, is super important and super misunderstood in the, the pop fitness. So I categorize myself as pop fitness. A lot of us in the, the higher end or the lecturing series in fitness, we are a little detached from the everyday people that come into our studios. Pop fitness has been shown on Biggest Loser and, and in a lot of boot camp style group classes at 24-Hour Fitness or other big box gyms that just kicking your ass for an hour is the best way to get results. And in the short term, it does deliver fairly aggressive weight loss in a lot of instances. The problem is it's not a long-term solution because you can't go hard long-term without burning out. So you will potentially cause uh, overtraining. You'll negatively affect your eating habits because now you just are ravenous at all points. There's just a a lot of downstream effects that are not uh, favorable for from working out intensely for a lot in one week and then for a lot of weeks in a row. So what we do is we say uh, in each workout we will have a high intensity element. Some days there's up to five minutes. Some days there's only a total of three minutes. So if you look at that, you're like, wait, five minutes of high intensity is not really a lot of high intensity. But the way that we do it is I'm trying, effectively I'm trying to lie to people, is I put them sporadically or, you know, not unintentionally, but they're lay, uh, they're put into the workout specifically so that people feel like they're working harder than they actually are. So I know that people need to feel that they're working very hard in order for them to you know buy the product. Well, and you're, it's all about feeling, right? Because we know the data show us that three to five minutes of high-intensity work is all you really need. You can do three to five minutes of high-intensity work three times a week and get some pretty significant results. But that's three to five minutes of high, I mean, that's high intensity, working your highest intensity. You cannot sustain that 
for a 40 to 60 minute workout, but you can do that for 20 seconds at a time to accumulate that three minutes. Is that kind of like, is that how you, is that your approach to it? That's exactly what we do. So we're like in within this 40 minutes, every five minutes or so, we'll hit them hard with a short, brief, all out effort, which is followed by a recovery uh, minute. We track how well they can recover. And that's all the high intensity they get. And the rest of it is, is what we call move. And that's going to be in a, a five to seven on a RPE. So rate of perceived exertion, a five to seven, not an eight, nine, 10, so that they're focusing on the quality of movement, bigger range, more weight, uh, better control, and they improve over time. And by, by doing that, you said exercise is a stress, which is exactly right. And we know that the, the, it's all dose responsive. So if you give too big of a dose of exercise, you get not good results. If you get the right dose, you get really good results. So what we're trying to do, we, we try to give the right dose, not too much, not too little, just the right amount. Yeah. And that's, and that's what, I mean, for regular consumers, they just don't realize they think it's like all or none. They think, you know, Uh they've been conditioned that for, for 30, 40 years, going back to Jane Fonda, go for the burn, no pain, no gain. And, And how wrong is no pain, no gain? No pain, no gain is my least favorite statement or like, Pain or yeah, pain is just weakness leaving weak, the body. Weakness leaving yeah. the body. We uh, we try to make sure that people understand. Like we have a rule. We say, if it hurts, do not do it. Yeah. If it hurts, you tell us, and we will give you something that's appropriate for you. Because if it hurts, that's bad. I mean, that's that's, that's very easily understood as a bad thing. The yeah. fact that we try to celebrate this in fitness by like beating our chest and be like ah. We're so I tough. tough today. I, yeah, I, I got I got rhabdo. I, I don't understand why. I don't understand at what point that became rhabdo could be deadly. You know, throwing up means when you have when your body regurgitates, it means you're in a shock response. That means you something has gone very wrong in your body, and your physiology's response is to throw up as an alarm saying, "I can't do this anymore. My yeah. body has gone toxic." Stop. People don't realize that is a huge stop. It's not not something to be celebrated. And, and is that do people look at you funny when you say? Exercise shouldn't hurt? Absolutely. The hardest thing, and this is a, a focus of ours for when I'm about to train our coaches here in Solana Beach, a focus of ours and the hardest thing for us is getting people to buy into the idea that they should slow down and take their time and, and uh, gracefully enter into a harder fitness program rather than showing up, crushing themselves, and not being able to move for three days. The way that I look at it is if, if they can't move for three days, we didn't do our job as well as we should have. And that, that, but that, we talked about this earlier, the, earlier with, with the, the perception out there among consumers is if I don't hurt, I didn't exercise right or I didn't exercise hard enough. So you have this, I mean, we, we teach, you and I coach instructors, we, we teach trainers. Yep. And that's sometimes the things that I have to get across to the younger trainers. It's like you don't want people to hurt in a program. You are 20-something years old. You can kill yourself. Yeah. And you're going to wake up tomorrow and be fine. Somebody who's 55 years old, you're 25 years old, they cannot fundamentally do the same thing you do. I mean, how do you, how do you get people to realize that when you're, when you're working with newer trainers? I mean, what, what do you see with new professionals in our industry, and what do you think we need to do better with them? New professionals are, they get a little antsy in a workout when they are looking at people, and people are looking at them during a rest period, and they start to worry that they're not making it hard enough because for themselves, like you pointed out, they crush themselves. So they think that's what everybody else wants. And that's what a lot of people do want. They think they want. They think think they they want to be crushed. Because they don't know any different. They haven't been taught anything different. They haven't experienced the results of a well-put-together program that takes uh, into account all the stressors that are in their life 
and balances it appropriately by not overdoing it with exercise. So real quick, when you mean other stressors, what do you mean? I mean, if so, not just not just exercise, but what else? So every every stressor in your life manifests itself physically. So your emotional stress, your financial stress, your marital stress, your dietary stress, your economic uh, commuting, commuting, work, yeah. anything that you have goes into your total stress load. And exercise is one of those things. It goes into your total stress load. So it can be a buffer where it helps you deal with the rest of your stress. But if your exercise load is too big, then it just dumps into your total stress load in a negative fashion and makes it harder for you to recover from exercise, makes it harder for you to relax and go to sleep, makes it harder for you to maybe it ruins your appetite because you're excessively stressed. So it's just you got to understand that it's, it is a stressor. That's neither good nor bad. It just is. It is a stressor. Well, it's ide- being able to identify stressors because, too, the other thing I think as coaches and trainers, sometimes we can point out to people, this may not be the best time for you to start an exercise program. Or if you have a lot of other stress going on, like job, you know, you're commuting an hour and a half each day, you took on a new job, maybe you got a new assignment, maybe you got promoted, maybe now is not the time you crush it at exercise. What was the thing you said you have some of your clients do? You're joke, you joking about one client in particular. Yeah, so like our best results that I've had with, I think it's like four or five moms, and a lot of times it's newer moms that are entering in. I can't relate to how stressful it is to be a mom, yeah. but I know that it's stressful because I've heard it quite a bit. Um, <laughs> You're on the receipt you hear about yeah, it. Yeah, right? I hear it quite a bit, so I, I, I take their word for it. And they will get better results when they skip our high-intensity sets, they put their feet on the wall, and they work on breathing. So... It's weird. It doesn't make any sense, like logically. You work less hard and you get better results. Now, physiologically and hormonally, we can look at it and say, yes, this actually does make sense. But from the feels, you know, when you feel that you're working hard, you would think that's going to give you better results. And it's a really hard, it's a very hard buy-in to have people stop working out as hard, lay on their back, breathe deep. And they then lose more weight. Like, it's crazy to them. It's such a reverse thing. But, yeah, you're right. We're talking about sleep. I mean, that's one area where I've been trying to get better. And I've heard about it with some people I've interviewed that I know if I probably slept an hour more, you know, it probably helped me in terms of, you know, maintaining weight a little bit easier. You know, because it's such a huge thing. People don't realize that all this stuff matters. Yeah. It's uh, what's, what's interesting. So we just finished our six-week challenge at FitWall. And we had three components. It says sleep smarter, eat smarter, and train smarter. The train smarter we take care of because we program the whole thing. The eat smarter and the sleep smarter, we give them a, a smarter success guide that has five things in each area. This is what you can do to take control of these air, uh, of your sleep and of your diet. And we don't even call it diet. We call it like your nutritional program because we want it to be nutritionally dense. We want the sleep to be uh, restorative, not this thing that is annoyingly something you have to do every day. Yeah so that you can get back to crushing it. Well, and I think that's what people don't realize, is sleep is when your body produces the hormones. You're, you produce testosterone and growth hormone when you sleep. Yep. That's what repairs your body. So if you're crushing it, if you have a hard workout, and you go out and you have a couple of cocktails at night, or you go to the bar, you go to a club, your, your sleep is going to be crap, and so you're not going to recover. So if I go out, if I work hard on a Friday, and then I go out and have a few drinks or stay out late, and I try to have that PR workout on a Saturday... I mean, what happens? What's going to happen to that? Worst case scenario, you're too tired, you're fatigued, your form breaks down, and then you hurt yourself. Yeah. That's worst case scenario. Best case scenario is that you make it through the workout, and then you're disappointed that you didn't hit your PR. Yeah, so what do I do? I don't, don't recover. 
yeah. I get angry. I maybe drink more that night, and then maybe I, I push hard the following week, right, and let my body recover. It's this big snowball effect. The, the, the other thing that we really try to help people understand with sleep is if we can get them to track their sleep and their diet, on the nights they sleep more, the next day, just across the board, people eat better. They have more willpower. They have less cravings for garbage. Yeah. And they are more in control of their choices. When you are sleep deprived, and it only takes one night of bad sleep or too little sleep to have a negative effect on on your blood sugar control, on your ability to make uh, co- good cognitive choices, and your willpower just diminishes. So it might be more important than diet because if your sleep is negatively affecting your dietary choices, like chicken and the egg situation, I guess, but... I think you get your sleep under control, it's easier to get your diet well, under control. Well, there's a study that just came out recently this year. Um, where was it? That people who were sleep-deprived, it's like having the munchies. Yeah. They compared to being sleep-deprived to being stoned and having the munchies. That people who get a certain – it was like less than five hours or – I forget what the hour – but but there was people in this study who had less sleep ate more and it was like equivalent to eating while they were getting – while they're stoned, you and, know? And even worse and, – and or not worse, but like uh, compounding that problem is the – impaired blood sugar control, impaired insulin response to eating that stuff. So now, holy moly, now you're on this blood sugar roller coaster and it just feeds on itself and and that's just no good. And that's when you're chasing it. That's when you start chasing, the, you know, that gets into your, you know, your epinephrine, your serotonin, your dopamine, you start feeling good. Your blood sugar crashes, you feel like crap. So what do you do? You go out and get the blood, you get the quick sugar hit. So you go out and pick up that Snickers bar, you go get those Ho-Hos because, oh, I need some sugar to pick me up. Well, okay, there's a difference between a little bit of, like, just a little something to pick you up and 300, 400 empty calories. Yeah. And that's what people don't realize, that that's where you start going into those waves. Well, and, and, and then to bounce out of the physiological component, how many people feel good about themselves once they look back 20 minutes later and like, damn it, I did a Snickers thing again. Now I got to punish myself by going and working out really hard. Yeah. So bringing it full circle, they punish themselves with a hard workout. So interesting phenomenon, like I find a lot of people, I think it's a psychological issue where they, they beat themselves up physically in the gym as like atonement for their poor dietary choices or other I, things. I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're right. Now, real quick, kind of shift a little bit because I think you're right on the money with this. One of the reasons why, and I'll post one or two of your videos down below in the show notes, but one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to Clifton is because he, I think, he, and I'm not saying this in a snarky way. I'm saying this because this is awesome. I love your videos. I love some of the stuff you post on social media and Instagram. And one of the things that we were talking about earlier is your pursuit of like of fitness and awesomeness. Like, what's the thing you've been working on this year with your fitness level? So the thing that I've been working on with uh, with my own fitness level is it's interesting. It's shifted a little bit in the years past. It's been big lifts this year. Uh, I think I relate well to older 30s and 40s uh, people, not just gentlemen, but people that have miles on their body because I've, I've chased big numbers and I've competed at uh, relatively high levels and I've under, I've undergone three different surgeries. Yeah. So now this year, my goal is one, don't hurt myself <laughs> at all. And I've recently been able to start playing basketball again. So my, my number one goal is to dunk on people on the basketball court and just dominate at pickup basketball. So all my training goes towards supporting me on the basketball court. Can I cut faster? Can I uh, box somebody out better? Can I jump higher than somebody else? And so my test of my fitness training is my performance on the basketball court. How well can I recover? 
Um, how many games can I play before I tire out? So my, my number one goal is, is that, is to be very, very good on the basketball court in my 24-hour fitness or various pickup locations. That's the one thing that I've been working on, um, as well as continuing to bulletproof my body. And see, I, think, I like that because you put, you're talking about a performance goal. You're talking about being better on the court. You're talking about being able to dunk. You're not talking about body weight. You're not talking about a look that you have. You're not trying to get you know, a big booty or six-pack abs. But, and that's where I think if people shifted their focus away from what they look like in the mirror. Yeah. Because we're never – I mean, can you agree with us? That we were never, never 100% happy with how we look in the mirror. No, I mean, we should we, – uh, to, to that point, you and I took a selfie earlier yeah. today. And I've been working out. I've been doing a lot of push-ups, so my chest is looking bigger. Yeah. Uh, and what I say about the selfie, I was like, oh, shoot, look at that. Yeah. My head looks like my skull is too small for my body. My mom was right. I am a pinhead. <laughs> but, you know, I think, but, but people always judge themselves. But, but how does it feel to be able to dunk? How does it feel to be able to throw down a dunk? Uh, so it's so great. You yeah, know, it's, and, it's and, just more rewarding than seeing ab definition. And so it's that performance. And I think that's what we're awesomeness. If you're, if you're trying to train to be awesome, Awesome is performing at your best. Yeah. I think whatever your performance is, if you want to run an awesome half marathon, run an awesome half marathon, but train for that. Train for performance metric instead of some kind of, you know, performance is tangible. You either get faster, you get better, you don't. If you don't get better, you look at your program and say, what can I do better? Or you say, shit, I can jam now. Or I, I took three minutes off my PR. I, or I added 50 pounds to my PR for a lift. What's been really cool is, so with that, I mentioned earlier, we just did a six-week challenge, and, and you're here in the studio, and we've just been taking measurements, and I've been talking to people as we measure. We measure not only inches lost, but we also mo- uh, measure performance increases. And people are more excited about the performance increases they see than the inches that they lose. So it's hard to do. Like If you shift someone from an aesthetic goal to a performance goal, it ultimately is more rewarding. So I don't think that you throw the aesthetic goals out completely. You acknowledge them and like, yeah, but we call them a side effect. We're like, if you get better at the performance, a cool side effect happens that your aesthetic kind of comes along for the ride. If you look at any professional athlete, how many of them are professional athletes are thinking to themselves, I want a six pack. I need this. I need that. Or are they thinking I want to be best at my sport? And then they just happen to be very fit looking. Well, and there's been some debate on this. I'm a big fan of sports radio. They've been talking. A couple quarterbacks have come out and said they're changing their dietary habit. I mean, Aaron Rodgers said he's like changed. He's not going to eat cheese. And being from Wisconsin, that's a huge <laughs> thing. But and you look at and I think that's a good example because athletes. You look at somebody like J.J. Watt, and, that, and, and he's a huge man. I don't know him, but his goal is to be explosive off the line. Yep. And if you're if you're making millions of dollars a year and your job is to be as fast as you can be for 20 yards at a time six seconds at a time your whole life becomes around that six seconds 30 35 plays a game you need to be explosive you need to be fast you need to train like that but when you listen to him he talks about his diet nutrition is a huge component of what he does and this is the important thing i heard him interview he gets like nine hours of sleep a night yeah and he has he had he had his trainers bring to, to go back to our sleep discussion J.J. Watt had trainers bring mattresses into their, into their, their conditioning room at, at, the, at the Texans so he can take naps after he lifts, between like lifts and film study. He'll go back and take a nap on a, on a mattress somewhere because he, it's really interesting to hear that. And there's another, um, there's another NFL player I heard interview where he talks about sleeping nine hours a night. And I just think that's to go back to your point about sleeping. These are athletes that, that perform at the highest level, and they get their bodies not because they train to look that way, but they're training to be the best at their position 
as, as they can. I mean, how, would you agree with that, that, that that kind of changes the game? Yeah, 100%. It's a... Uh, you know, it, it just it just comes along for the ride. It's part and parcel. It's a side effect. Yeah. It, it's a cool bonus. If I'm training to be, if I'm training to be awesome, your job, your goal this year was to be awesome, junkie basketballs. So if my job is to be awesome, an awesome dad of two, then I need everything needs to go into that. You know, I need to sleep better, I need to eat better, and I need to train better. And I think that's where the conversation is for people listening to this is identify what you want to do well, what your performance goal is, identify what you want to be awesome at. And then what? Then once they identify, what should they do? And then go after it. I mean, really, like that. And, and be specific when you identify it. For me, on the basketball court, these are the things I want to do. It's specific. So it makes it, it, it makes it easier to identify and create a game plan to accomplish those goals. So many times people's goals are, I want to look fitter. What in the hell does that even mean? Like, when do you want to look fitter by? What does that I, you know, define what looking fitter means? So... To be awesome, you need to have an awesome goal, and it needs to be a specific goal. I mean, we, we can use a SMART acronym that everyone has, specific, measurable, uh, attainable, yeah, realistic. Attainable, relevant, realistic, yeah. and time-bound. But. And I think that that's, that's important, and then you got to map out your game plan to do it. It's one thing, a lot of people set a goal, but then they don't set out a game plan. They're just like, this is my goal. I'm going to keep doing things the way that I'm doing it, and I hope that the goal comes true. I'm like, no, 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 that yeah. doesn't work. you got to set the goal and then put a game plan and be consistent on the game plan. And, uh, and realize, you know, all, all the things that you do in life play into that goal. Yeah. Now, one last question here before we get out of here. The V-neck shirts. What's up with the V-neck shirts? Well, you know, I've just been blessed with this uh, really, like, good inner peck development i gotta show it off <laughs> no you know what happened was I, I i mean at this point it's 12 years ago we were my buddies and i just decided we'd start wearing v-necks and somehow that became uh, that was something that i got known for in the fitness community so i just started embracing it and going deeper and deeper and now my entire sternum is showing and <laughs> I think, well it made me think there's a saturday night live isn't there a saturday night live with ben segment? stiller with, is that was that who it is uh, with Ben Stiller? Him and Andy Samberg. It's okay. amazing. The double V. Yeah. The uh, the super V. It's, yeah. It's a really good. Segment. So that's that's one of the things. So um, I think that's one of the fun fun thing. What what are your what are your social media tags? People that follow you because I love following. You know, Clifton's one of these guys. I've met him one or two times, but I love seeing his stuff on Facebook. I love you know when you Instagram and Twitter out. We've thrown Twitter messages back and forth. How can people follow this awesomeness if they want to if they want to be a part of this? How do they follow follow you on uh, social media? On Instagram and on Twitter, my handle is at Clifton Harsky. And then on Facebook, it's uh, you can find me, Clifton Harsky. Yeah, so that, I'll have his Twitter and, and Instagram down there. And if they want to learn more about FitWall, because you have a really unique programming aspect here, um, what are they, how do they learn more about FitWall? You can go to FitWall.com. You'll see a number of videos. Or, or check out, uh, even more helpful maybe, is on YouTube, we have a Learn About FitWall playlist. Okay, cool. And so it kind of introduces what we do. Um, but fitwall.com helps out. Our, our locations are Calabasas, which is north of L.A. We have Newport Beach, California, Solana Beach, California, Denver in Colorado. We have Scottsdale, Arizona, and Brighton out in Michigan. Okay. So you're, you're, but you're growing. I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a relatively new fitness company. You'll be doing more, and you expect some growth coming in the next year, correct? Absolutely. And, and on, that, on that YouTube channel, we have uh, FitWall at-home workouts. Oh, cool. That are pretty cool to, to follow along with. Yeah. So the interesting thing, and then, then I'll close with this. Is we, you know, you saw it when I when I pinged you this summer. 
when uh, the the TV show Sweat Inc. Yes, you got a big shout out from uh, from Jillian Michaels who she made a comment that somebody's product was just like Fitwall. Yeah, have you seen that episode? I, I watched the episode. It was cool because you know I won't talk bad about the person's product because I haven't tried it. Yeah, I, I do think it's relatively gimmicky if we're yeah. gonna like yeah. do a cowboy workout, but. Uh, she's, I think she said, somebody's already doing this, but they're doing it well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of cool to, to uh, I guess I should probably follow up with Jillian Michaels about getting her in. You know, yeah, she's, no, I mean, I just thought that was a really cool thing. I mean, it was on the show. I'm like, holy smokes. I mean, yeah. she gave you a huge shout out. Very cool. So, all right, hey, thank you for your time, Clifton. If you have, if you want to find out tips for how you can be awesome in your fitness program, follow at Clifton Harsky on either Twitter or Instagram. Those will be down below in the show notes. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. As I said in the intro, when uh, I recorded this interview with Clifton, uh, we had spent maybe about an hour and a half, two hours working out uh, by the beach. We were doing a kettlebell and bodyweight workout. And then we went over to his FitWall studio and, and had our conversation there. Now, I want to say something to, to listeners or regular listeners. I really, when I interview uh, guests on All About Fitness, I really try to ask the questions and let the and let my guests talk because you're tuning in to listen to the guests and, and hearing whatever he or she has to say. Uh, but in our conversation today, it was much more of a give and flow. We were having much more of a, a spur, just a conversation between two fitness educators and two trainers who really care about what they do for a living. And it was an extension, as you heard, you know, we referred back quite a bit to what we're talking about, well, as we said earlier, as we talked about earlier. Um, and that's one of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast. I'm trying to bring to life some of the conversations that the fitness educators have and master trainers have when we bump into each other. You know, I've bumped into Clifton at a number of fitness conferences. We sometimes speak at the same events. And so you'll hang out in the lobby, you'll hang out in, in, in the restaurant at night, and you'll just, you know, pontificate or, or blather on about whatever you're thinking about for the day. And so that's really what I'm trying to do with this podcast is really I want to go into some of the science of how exercise works. And and Clifton has been a student. He studied under Fabio Camana at San Diego State. And Fabio has been a, a guest already a couple times on the podcast, and I'm going to have him coming back again in one of the upcoming episodes to talk about how hormones really, how exercise affects hormones and how hormones really create the change that we seek in our body. But hopefully you got a little bit more insight today into maybe how you should be playing your training program. We don't need to change our workouts too frequently, but we do need to change them on a regular basis. You know, we do need some high intensity training, but we don't need to do it too often. And that's the challenging thing, right? You know, there's really so much information out there about fitness. A lot of it, it a lot of it is good. There are a lot of people out there who, who I really respect. I mean, at the end of it, we, we, we made reference to Jillian Michaels and, and you know, I, I have my thoughts about her. But at, at the baseline of it, you know, Jillian has been very successful in the past decade of, you know, encouraging more people to move. So, you know, I, I may disagree with some of her, her the, the ways that she does it. And, and if you're listening, Jillian, which I doubt, um, you know, I'd be more than happy to talk with you about that on a future episode. But I may disagree with some of the ways that she does it. But the fact is she's getting people moving it. And that's the most important thing. So what we're trying to do is, is what you heard today was just a couple of fitness geeks, a couple of exercise geeks talking about, you know, what we feel people could be doing better in their programs. And again, it comes back to the point of wanting to be awesome. Don't you want to be awesome? I mean, don't you want to get better? Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, eh, meh, I'm just going to go through the day-to-day. I don't care. I'm just going to do what I regularly do. That's not fun. You know, I look at every day as a chance to how can I get, you know, I learned years ago in the first job I had out of college, the principal of Kaizen, the art of small improvement, improving 1% of the time. 
You know, I don't know what awesomeness is. I don't know if I'm ever going to be, you know, something's going to come down and go, voila, you're, you're awesome. But I wake up every day and say, all right, how can I be just a little bit more? How can I be a little bit more of an awesome dad? How can I be a little bit more of an awesome coach and trainer and instructor? How can I be a little bit more of an awesome educator? And, and I'm not saying that from a point of ego. I'm saying that because I want to, you know, like a lot of us, I want to be good at what I do. So how can I be a little bit better at, at what I do on a, on a daily basis? How can I get you know a little bit more awesome as a podcast host and as a podcaster? So that was what our conversation was about today. Take, that's what our conversation was about today. Take from that what you will. If you say, oh, it's just a couple knuckleheads you know, talking, okay, great. But hopefully you learned a little bit of something. And hopefully, more important, most importantly, you learned a little bit of something that you can take with you that can have an impact on your life. So as usual, if you uh, appreciate the show, if you listen on a regular places, um, if you listen on a regular basis, I'm not even going to edit that out. Um, if you listen on a regular basis, I'd appreciate your, your feedback, your comments. Um, if you could leave a review, I really, I really pay attention to the reviews. And I really, for the most part, I try to let my guests talk because they have a lot of information to share. And the questions I ask are really trying to draw that information out to help you understand how to use exercise, how to use fitness to, to change your life. But today was much more, you know, this conversation with Clifton was much more of just a kind of a spur of the moment conversation after a really cool workout and just a really fun time hanging out with each other. And again, I'm, I'm launching this. I have, I've had this in the can just to save it for when I need it. And I want to congratulate Clifton and his wife, Amy, on the, on the birth of their new son. Um, welcome to the Parenting Club, guys. I know you're going to enjoy the experience. If you enjoy, uh, if you enjoy uh, the podcast, you can follow me on Twitter, PeteMC underscore fitness. That's on Twitter. Or if you're on Instagram, I try to put some up, some helpful information on Instagram on a regular basis. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. Uh, if you want to check out my blog, it's PeteMcCallFitness.com. And if you have any questions, comments, or if you'd like to book a guest for the show, contact me at Pete at Contact me, Pete, at PeteMcCallFitness.com. Very simple. Thanks for tuning in. Stay fit. And I look forward to you joining me for future episodes of All About Fitness. Fitness.